But I, I want to dig into God's word this morning. Uh, we're going to go, uh, we're going to start in verse one, very familiar passage. So uh, as you hear me say many times, the more familiar a passage is when you are reading it, when you're studying it, uh, when it's being preached to us, we've got to slow down because may, if you're like me, you get to a passage that's real familiar, you find yourself speeding through it because you know what happens next. Uh, but I believe that God's word has something for us every time we get into it. Don't you? Don't you believe that God's word is powerful enough that we can find something no matter how many times we come back to it? So we're going to do a little, uh, a few more verses than normal. We're going to go actually all the way down to 14. I'm not going to hit every single one, but it's a, it's a single story. So you kind of have to cover it all. But Genesis 22, one, and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto Abraham, and he said, behold, here I am. And he said, take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering among one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, and saddled his ass, and took of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up, and went into the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes, and saw the place afar off, and Abraham said unto his young men, Abide here with the ass and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son and he took the fire in his hand and a knife and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said my father and he said here am I my son and he said behold the fire and the wood but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, my, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them together, and they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wooden order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took a knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven, saying, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou would, hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. Last verse. And Abraham called uh, the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank you so much for your word this morning. Thank you for its truth. And Lord, I pray that you'd help me uh, to be able to preach this morning. Help our ears and our minds and our hearts to take in what you have. And Lord, I pray if there's any loss today that they would come to know you before it's too late. Lord, we want victory today. And we're asking it all in Jesus' name, who is victorious for us. And amen. So we see a test in the beginning. In verse 1, it says, And it came to pass uh, after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And, and I like that. See, God uh, talks to Abraham. He's talking to him. And he immediately says, Behold, here I am. So Abraham is quick to answer. Uh, so he is ready. He's ready. Uh, Lord, whatever you want to teach me today, I'm ready to obey whatever you have. Uh, and I, I think Abraham becomes a great picture of a faithful follower of God. That's the way we need to be. When God uh, is getting our attention, we need to say, here I am, God, I'm ready. 
But then the test, verse two, and he said, take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And God made it clear in chapter 21, the one before this, uh, that uh, his rightful heir would be Isaac. uh, And and, uh, Ishmael, uh, the one he had with Hagar, the bondwoman, uh, you know, God said, I will bless him, but he is not the heir. He is not your son. He's not the spiritual son. He's not the child of promise. Uh, So he, uh, they go on their way. Uh, There's a separation there. And and here, one of the things that amazes me right here in verse 2, Uh, He says, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest. You know, again, that's one of those things we could read really quickly and and gloss right over. Do you realize that's the first mention of love in the Bible? Is that right there? Is God is telling him, I want to take that son, that the one you love, I want you to take him and offer him in a place where I'll tell you. That's something to think about and remember. I want you to go to a specific place, your your promised son Isaac, and offer him as a sacrifice. So one of the things you can uh, that becomes real clear in this story is Abraham is putting his faith in God. But you realize Abraham wasn't always that way. He wasn't always fully trusting God. When he was first called to go to the promised land, remember from Ur, uh, his homeland, uh, he was called to go to uh, Canaan, which uh, I can't remember exactly, but it was basically go here to here. And he ends up up here in Haran. He goes a different direction. Uh, so he kind of half follows God. Have you been there before where you, uh, God tells you to do something? Well, I'll go halfway. Surely half is good enough for God. But he, it was because of a lack of faith, he didn't do that. And remember, he finally gets to Canaan, and then a famine comes. And what's he do? Instead of trusting God, God said, I want you to be here. I'll make a great nation of you. He goes and runs to Egypt. He didn't have great faith there. And then when he was tired of waiting for his promised son, we just talked about Ishmael. Right? They, they decided, well, I'll just take the bondwoman as a wife and, and have a child from her. Uh, see, Abraham, uh, what we see in the early chapters of his life, Abraham's a man that solves his own problems. Right? Now, it, it causes more problems. Have, have you been there? I, I say it many times. Yeah, God, I'll help you out. I'll take care of these things, and then you can take care of that. No, God wants us to trust him in everything. So Abraham wasn't uh, always a great man of faith, but you know, God was teaching him and working on him, right? Slowly, he was learning from his mistakes. And then finally, when Isaac was finally born, you can see uh, Abraham's faith is growing and maturing. Uh, uh, But here's the thing, God chooses to test his faith at this point. And you realize our faith can only be measured when it's tested. Right. Our our faith, if we if I were to ask you how faithful you are and you just tell me with your words, that doesn't mean anything. But when faith is tested is when God tells you to do something that you you don't understand, something that uh, uh, doesn't make sense, something where you're missing things that that is when it is tested. And then and what happens is that test either reveals faith or it reveals fear or reveals our own understanding, right? there, it, it, One of those things happened. But what happens? God gives him the test, verse 3, and Abraham rose up early in the morning. Do we see that? He doesn't. See, there's something missing between verses 2 and 3, right? See, in, in between verse 2 and 3 is the questioning God, the asking God, are you sure? 
Maybe I'll wait and do something else. Maybe you're talking about something else. Maybe I'm confused, God. Or are you in God? God, that doesn't make any sense. I'm not going to do it. No, Abraham doesn't do any of that. See, he has matured now. And now, instead of fleeing to Egypt or doing something on his own, he rises up early in the morning. He says, you know what? God told me to do it. I'm going to do it. Where are we at in our walk? Are we early, Abraham? If you're saved today, where are you at? Are you early, Abraham, where you're solving problems on your own? Or are you getting to now chapter 22 where you're saying, here I am, Lord. And Lord, if that's what you want to do, I'm getting up early and doing it. That's a question we could ask ourselves. God wants me to do this. I'm leaving first thing in the morning. They travel for three days and Abraham sees in the distance the place that God had told him. And then we get to verse five. uh, And he said with the young men that went with him, the servant says at the end of the verse, I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. We see Abraham's faith again right here. He says, hey, uh, you wait here uh, while Isaac and I are going to go worship. But guess what? He doesn't tell them how they're going to worship. But Abraham knows I'm offering my son. That's what God told me to do. We're going up the mountain. I'm offering him as a burnt offering. But he tells the men, when we come back, we're both going to be here. Yeah. That's faith. Yeah. That's, That's right. faith right there. He's saying that. He's saying, hey, I don't understand. Uh, He had no idea God was going to stop him with the knife. He doesn't know that yet. He doesn't understand everything, but he trusts God and says, we're coming back together. That's faith. Skip down to verse seven. Uh, uh, You know, he uh, uh, there again, uh, they're on the way up. It's just him and Isaac. And verse seven, Isaac asks his father. uh, He says, behold, the fire and the wood. But where is a lamb, the lamb for a burnt offering? Aren't you glad right here that uh, uh, Abraham had taught Isaac how to sacrifice, had taught taught him what God expected out of that? That's a blessing right there that he's asking a question like that. But the question is, is a big one. Where's the sacrifice? Look what Abraham says. This is faith. This is huge right here in verse 8. My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they uh, went both of them together. And see, one of the things we could uh, we could think that Isaac is a very young boy uh, but uh, uh, and not very old, but he's old enough, number one, to understand how a burnt offering works, yeah. right? He knew it needed a sacrifice and he's old enough to carry the wood for the whole altar. The whole altar, right? They take it off of the donkey. They put it on him. He carries that wood the rest of the way up himself. And then they'll assemble it. And then he's going to die on the altar. So he's old enough for that to carry the wood. And then he says, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. You know what he doesn't say? God doesn't say God will provide a lamb himself. And I know I just barely changed the words around, but see, one way uh, is saying that God will bring a lamb himself to give to them, and then the other one is God himself is going to be the lamb. And that's what Abraham said to Isaac, God himself. Do you see that? God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. That's faith right there. You're thinking, how does a man at Abraham at this point of the Bible and Genesis 22, how does Abraham know that God needed a sacrifice and God would provide it himself because of faith? 
That's the only way Abraham would have known that. He's, had, he's got faith. Verse 9, they came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there, laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him upon the altar upon the wood. I think Isaac was probably in his 20s or 30s at this point. But whatever age you think he is, Abraham is 100 years older than he is. So whether he's 20, Abraham's 120. Or 30, Abraham's 130. Guess what? Either way, Isaac, if he didn't want to, could have got away, could have outran him, could have gotten out of it. Whatever way you think of, however old you think he is, he could have gotten away, but he trusted his father. He trusted him. He trusted Abraham to do his will. And I believe that right here we start to see there is a parallel in this story to Jesus Christ and God the Father. Right? We start to see in Isaac pictures of Jesus Christ. Right? We start, if you haven't seen it yet, we see where Jesus trusts God the Father's will and freely giving his life. Amen? You start to see that. And one of the most important things that I, I've tried to tell you over and over again is when you look at Jesus Christ dying for the sins of the world, he did it voluntarily. From the beginning, you know, wherever you point you want to look at, from the arrest, you're saying, well, Mike, uh, once they came to arrest him with hundreds of soldiers and everything, uh, there's nothing he can do. Now, wait a second. They asked him who he was, and he said, I am he. Now, he's in italics in our Bible. They added it to help us to understand. Jesus said, I am, and everyone fell down. Yeah. Now, ask right. me how hundreds yeah. of soldiers are yeah. going to arrest a man when they can't get up off the ground until he lets him up off the ground. Right. Jesus gave his life from the trials, all six trials before Herod and the Jews and, and Pilate. Uh, he could have defended himself, but he never did. Right. He never did. And then all the way up to the cross, he could have got down himself. He could have. Whether you needed angels or not, I think he could have come off that cross yeah, if he wanted to. But he didn't. He said, I lay down my life and I take it back up again. No man take it from me. I, he's giving his life for our sins. Praise God. It was voluntary. And I'm thankful for that, aren't you? Verse 10. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. So now we see there's Abraham, his father. Isaac, his son, is bound. He's got the knife in hand, ready to slit his throat of his son. Uh, that way the blood would fall out, and then he would be burnt afterward as a burnt offering. And we can see this loving father. This is his only son right here. That It's repeated in the passage. He's getting ready to die. He's getting, he's willingly ready to sacrifice him on a hill. And you may be thinking, what's going on in Abraham's mind? Uh, and good, you know what I like about the Bible, we don't have to guess. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17 says, says this, by faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had, uh, uh, sorry, and he, Offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up from the dead, even from whence he received him in a figure. Abraham again is operating by faith. And it didn't make sense to Abraham. I waited 24 years from when God promised this child to when he came. Why now would he say, I want you to offer him? It didn't make sense. 
But God uh, had confirmed to Isaac in the previous chapter in verse 12 that Isaac would be his seed. They cast out Ishmael, as I said. And now uh, uh, he's saying, hey, if God promised me descendants that were couldn't be numbered and they're all going to come through Isaac, then he's saying, hey, what's he saying? Uh, God is able to raise him up from yeah. the dead. He didn't yeah. say God will raise him up from the dead. He said he's able. That's what's going on in his mind. Guess what? You know what I see in Abraham? See, I fall victim to this many times. I trust God, but then I find myself trusting God to do it a specific way that I think he should do it. Right? Or I have to figure out the way God's going to make this happen, then I'll trust him. No, that's not fully faith. That's only partially faith. Abraham's saying, I know God can raise him from the dead. He's able to do it. But even if he doesn't, he will make good on his promise. You know what that tells me? Sometimes we have to, yes, we trust promises from God, but we need to trust the one that gives the promise, even more than the promise itself. Because I don't understand how he's going to do it. I don't understand how he's going to fulfill it. That's what Abraham's saying. But I trust God, and I'm going to do what he said. God may do something different. But I know he can raise the dead. And that's true faith right there. But you know what we see in that one verse? Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. What do we see in this passage? We see faith, right? We see love. We cover that in verse 2. And then we see obedience. And the more I think about verse 10, and Abraham stretched forth his hand and took his knife to slay his son, the more I think about that verse in this whole story brings me to this verse. Jesus said this, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Yeah. Don't you? 1,900 years later, where? The same Mount Moriah. Guess what? You know where this is? It's Jerusalem. That's where it's at. In fact, the servants that he left, he probably left them in Salem. Remember King Melchizedek? That's a picture of Jesus Christ, right? He left them there. He goes further up the mountain, the, the city of David. He goes further up uh, uh, to outside where the temple is, uh, where the temple would be later, and there he offers his son. Guess where the place, probably exactly where he put that altar? Calvary. Same place. Mount Moriah. Top point. There he's putting an altar. 19 years later, 1900 years later, Jesus Christ is hanging on the cross in the same spot. Oh, is that coincidence? No. Did Jesus force them to do it? No. But it was God's will. He said, that's where it'll happen. Right there. Now, why? Because he, remember what Abraham said. God will provide himself a lamb. And later on that lamb came, Jesus Christ. Right? To take away the sins of the world. Uh, he would be there. They would mock him. They would beat him. They'd whip him. They'd nail Jesus to the cross. In that same place where God stopped Abraham from slaying Isaac is the same place God would turn his back on Jesus Christ. Remember that? Uh, remember what he says there in Matthew 27, 46? Jesus, and about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? 
But aren't you glad that wasn't the last thing he said? John 19, 30, when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up the ghost. Jesus Christ died for our sins and the sins of the world, yours and mine. He was buried in Joseph of Arimathea's new tomb. They put Roman guards there to guard the door to make sure they didn't steal the body. And the Jews went home to finish their feast, right? And then you think about Jesus' followers. There they are grieving, heartbroken, confused. They don't understand why their master, their teacher, the healer, the life giver has been uh, uh, killed on a cruel Roman cross. He's dead. Uh, and then you think about that Saturday. It's even worse. They've got to spend that first full day away from their Lord that they followed for years and they listened to and they loved. Uh, uh, there, there's no hope anymore. The teacher's gone. Nothing's left. Oh, but aren't you glad on that Sunday morning before before it was yet dawn, and the women were going to go out there and anoint the body with spices. They weren't sure how they were going to get the stone rolled out of the way, but aren't you glad an angel went, rolled the stone away, not so Jesus could get out, but we could look inside and realize that the tomb was empty. They're the great clothes. They wound them up. Uh, the, the Jews did uh, the body just like a mummy in Egypt, and there's no way you could have unwound it and then rewound it with no body there. It would have taken forever to do that. You would have needed and light and time and everything else and get past the Roman soldiers but there's that uh, there is the, the shell where his body was why because he just left it uh, and he rose from the dead the napkin was folded and they looked inside and they were still confused right see if I wrote the story they'd all believed instantly and would have shouted and said hallelujah but they were still confused until they saw Jesus the risen Savior and they realized it was him. Jesus was alive. And you think about that. Abraham was willing to offer his only begotten son Isaac. But he didn't have to go through with it that day. Right? The test was stopped. Isaac was spared. And he says, I, I, I love this. Lord showed me this a long time ago. And Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. Uh, then down in verse 13, and Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, uh, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by its horns and that ram got offered instead of Isaac. And you're saying, well, Mike, what's, what's the big deal? God provided a substitute. Oh, Abraham said God's providing a lamb and there's a ram. Two different animals. You know what he's saying? You're thinking, well, is that a typo? No, no, no. Isaac, yes, was spared that day by a ram, but that ram didn't take away Isaac's sin. It was a lamb that would to come later that would take away your sin and mine. Isn't it wonderful to look at what the Lord has done? And it is hard. See, I had a college professor. I took this comparative religion class, and it was awful. Um, but one day, I was excited. He said, tomorrow, I want you to bring your Bibles in. And I was like, yes, yes, finally. I'm tired of all this junk. We're going to hear some truth. Guess what that professor did? He said, turn to Genesis 22, right here. And then he, as we go through it, he asked this question. Was that even fair for God to ask Abraham to do that? And I was angry. I don't know about you. I was mad. What are you talking about? This is the Bible that I love. This is the God that I love. And here's that professor after me listening to every other religion that's 
junk, finally gets to open the Bible, opens this up, and now he's questioning God. Aggravated me. I had no answer. I didn't have an answer then. You know what I would tell him now? You're right. It wasn't fair. It wasn't fair for God to ask Abraham to do that that day. But he stopped him. I'll tell you what wasn't fair. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That is not fair. Jesus dying on the cross for my sins is not fair. The guilty of being spared and the innocent getting the punishment. That's not fair. And aren't you glad that we're not getting fairness today when we turn to Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sins. We're getting mercy. That means you get what you don't deserve because he paid the price for us. If you want to know what it feels like for God to let his son, Jesus Christ, die on the cross. If you want to know just a little glimpse of what that would feel like, it's hard to even explain it. God gave us a picture in Genesis 22. Yes, he was testing Abraham's faith, but he already knew Abraham would pass the test. And and yes, it would have shown Abraham, but I think the real reason this story is here is so just for a little glimpse, we can see a little picture, a little foreshadowing of what God would do when he turned his back on Jesus. Six hours on the cross, turned his back on Christ. Why? Because he loved to punish him? No, because he sent him to die for the sins of the world. For you and me. You and me. So when someone looks up at God and say it's not fair, I'll say you're right. It's not fair. It wasn't fair that Jesus died for you and then you turn around and reject him. You turn around and, and hate him. You turn around and say everything that's wrong with him. That's how much he loves you and he died for you. He didn't have to do that. He did it voluntarily. And after he died, he was buried. They all knew where the tomb was. They guarded it. And they didn't steal his body. He rose from the dead. And it wasn't just a fairy tale. But over hundreds saw him. In fact about 500 in one day saw him. And the Bible says many were alive at the time that it was written down. You know what that tells me? You could have went to many of them that were still alive and say, Hey, did you see Jesus? And they would have said yes. But the flip side is true as well. If they didn't see him, you'd have a hard time finding hundreds and hundreds that would make up the same story. This book is true. God loves you so much that he was willing to give his only son to die for you. I can't try, I I try to explain the love. You know, the Bible calls this the foolishness of preaching. It's foolish that we even have to dig deep in some of this stuff and really show how much God loves you. If you can't see it, It's right there. But if you reject Jesus Christ, there's no mercy. There's nothing other than hell. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. He spared not the angels. Remember that? He didn't have to spare you and I, but he loves us and he did. But you've got to come to him before it's too late. I can't promise you what tomorrow will bring. We plan tomorrow based on what we think. It's a Monday, I'm going to go to work, right? I'm going to go to school. That's what I always do on Mondays, right? That's what I do. But something can happen tonight, and you not be able to do that. In an instant, everything could change in your life. 
in an instant, you can find yourself in hell or in heaven today. And I want you to be ready. I want you to be ready. You look at what Abraham did. Remember what I said. There on Mount Moriah, there on Calvary, he did it for you. But you've got to call on, you've got to decide whether you're done with your current life. Bible calls that repentance. I'm done. Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You've got to admit that and say, I have fallen short. And then you've got to turn to Jesus Christ, the one who died for your sins. Romans 10, 9, I'll close with this. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You believe it today? You're almost there. Are you done with your old life? You're even closer. But you've got to call on Jesus. That's the last part. I'm going to ask everyone to stand